You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Brampton, Ontario. For more information about our church, please visit harvestbrampton.ca. If you've got a Bible, you can open to Luke chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, if you put your hand up, one of our ushers would love to give a Bible to you. All you got to do is put your hand up. And they'll get that to you. If you don't own it, you can take that Bible home with you. If I invited you to my house tomorrow for jerk chicken, right, jerk chicken's good. If I invited you for jerk chicken tomorrow, one of the things I have to have, the main thing I have to have at my house is jerk seasoning. I have to have jerk seasoning. It doesn't matter if I've got an oven. It doesn't matter if I've got the most expensive pot ever created by man or pan to cook that on. When it comes out of the oven, if there's no jerk seasoning, I'm only giving you baked chicken. The jerk seasoning is the one thing that is necessary. If I told you tomorrow, I'm going to give you a phone call. And I'm going to call you. If I don't have a phone or a device to call you on, we can't make that call. It doesn't matter if I have a phone plan. It doesn't matter if I've got the nicest, most comfortable chair in the entire world to sit on and talk to you for hours on end. It doesn't even matter if you're ready and prepared for the phone call. If I don't have the one thing, that phone, we can't make that call. I can't call you. And today... Luke is going to tell us a story about Jesus and this interaction that he has with these two ladies. And he tells them the one thing that is necessary, the one thing that has to happen, the one thing Christians have to do before they go out serving others, trying to serve the Lord. We have to do this one thing. And so Luke chapter 10, verse 38, says this, such a privilege to get to read the Bible We should never make light of that. We have the Bible in front of us. People around the world who are believers are desperate just to have a Bible in front of them and to be able to read it, but the places they're at, it's not so free to do that. And we live in a country that we should thank God for, that we have the freedom to open our Bibles and read it. So we should never take what we're doing right now lightly. Luke 10, verse 38. It says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray together. Father, thank you, Lord, for your your word. And God, there's people in this room, and that's their reality is that they're anxious and they're troubled about many things. 
And I pray for them, Lord, that you would, you would give them just a sense of your love for them and your care for them. And Lord, that they can, we can bring our anxieties to you. And I pray, Father, that the person who in, in this room, they're, they're caught up in much serving and maybe distracted from your son. I pray you would refocus their eyes as you speak through me. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us, that you would open our eyes and our ears and reorient our mind around the things that are true and point us in the right direction for living. So I pray for your help to speak and and teach your word with clarity and with power, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can write this down, the posture of the disciple. The posture of the disciple. Point number one, look at verse 38. It says, "Now, now as they went on their way, on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So Luke tells us that Jesus and his disciples are on this journey, and, and as, as they get to this village, they enter Martha's house, and she welcomes, welcomes them in. But we're told Martha has a sister, and her sister Mary, it says, is sitting at the Lord's feet. It's normal, it was normal in those times for disciples to sit at the feet of their teachers. They called them rabbis. To sit at someone's feet implies not only attentiveness, but also submission. See, Mary here is not like the lawyer in this chapter. There's a lawyer earlier in this chapter, and he is listening to Jesus, but he's not listening to Jesus to learn. And to follow Jesus. He's listening to Jesus to trap Jesus. He wants to catch him in something. Mary here is sitting at the Lord's feet as a disciple. She's ready to listen, ready to learn, ready to believe. She doesn't want to miss a single word that comes out of the mouth of Jesus. And a woman, a woman doing this in those times would have been shocking. It would have been shocking to people to see a woman do this. The same way they would have been shocked at the Samaritan who, in this chapter, helps the injured Jewish man. It would have been shocking. Because in those times, women weren't actually encouraged towards theological education. They were encouraged to serve, but they weren't encouraged to pursue theology and understanding who God is and who we are. See, some people back then had this silly idea that theology was for men only and not women. But here we see Mary ignoring all that. And she's at the feet of Jesus pursuing discipleship. She is looking to grow theologically in her understanding of God. See, theology is not this gender-specific specialty sort of reserved for men and, and no one else. Theology is the knowledge of God that every single person on earth needs. Everyone needs theology. Theology helps us understand God. Theology helps us understand ourselves. Theology helps us understand the world. Theology reshapes our worldview and helps us to interpret all of life in the right ways. Good theology. And Mary here models for every single woman that theology and right doctrine, right thinking, is something that you're supposed to pursue, to grow in your knowledge of God, knowledge of yourself, and knowledge of the world. A.W. Tozer said this, 
will come up for you. What comes into your mind, in our minds, when we think about God, is the most important thing about us. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Because here's the thing, everyone thinks theologically. Everyone tries to interpret the world. Everyone tries to understand themselves. So what comes into your mind is massively important when you think about God. And so what we need to do is open our Bibles and listen to the teachings of Jesus and find out, am I thinking rightly about God? Am I thinking rightly about myself? Am I thinking rightly about the world? Because theology is for everyone. And here's another thing. Jesus allowing Mary to sit at his feet went against every cultural norm. See, some people think that Christianity is this backwards thing that is out of, out of touch with the times. But that's not true. Because here we see Jesus... And he's ahead of the whole gender equality thing. Jesus takes teaching women just as seriously as he takes teaching men. And so we see Jesus way ahead of the curve upholding gender equality. See, Jesus here shows us the value of women. We see how he valued them in the ways he taught them. And what we're to learn from that is that the same way Jesus values women, we are to value the women in our lives. We are to value the women in our church, protect them and care for them and uphold them. Notice also that Jesus is called Lord. Jesus is called Lord. This highlights the deity of Christ. Mary is not being taught by some 22-year-old who's just read a couple theological textbooks. And so he's utter, con utterly convinced that he's an expert. And he's just hoping to show off his mind to someone. Here are all the big words I've learned. Ontological equality with economic subordination. See how good my theology is? She's not with this guy who's just kind of been reading the whole time. And he's just ready to show off his brain. She is sitting with the second member of the Trinity. God the Son. It's the Lord's teaching that she is hearing. See, Mary is with the expert, and it makes perfect sense that she's as attentive to Jesus as she is, and we need to be this attentive to Jesus. Luke 9, verse 35, says, a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is the Lord speaking, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him, listen to him, we are to listen to Jesus, when we open our Bibles, it's the Lord speaking to us. It's the Lord's teaching that we are hearing. And as we read, we need to ask and pray, Spirit, help me to understand what I'm reading here. Help me to know how to practically apply what I'm hearing. Help me. Because it's the Lord speaking to us. So Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus and she's happy and content but not everyone in this house is happy and content. And here we see the protest of the distracted. The protest of the distracted. Look at verse 40. It says, But Martha was distracted with much serving. Jesus arrived, but Martha's still busy. Her hospitality gift sort of kicks in. 
And, she, and it says she is distracted with much serving. She wants everything to be right for Jesus. So she's cleaning, she's cooking, she is baking. She's probably trying to find the, the most comfortable chair for him to sit in. See, Martha here probably wants to hear the teachings of Jesus too. But the busyness, the busyness is pulling her away. The word distracted, that's what it, it actually is, is speaking of that. The word distracted means to be, it's to be pulled away. It also has this idea of being overburdened, feeling overwhelmed by something. Martha has lost her focus. Charles Spurgeon said it like this. He says, her fault was not that she served. The condition of a servant well becomes every Christian. Every Christian is supposed to serve. It's not wrong that she's serving. Her fault was that she grew cumbered with her much serving, so that she forgot him and only remembered the service. She was distracted. Martha's using her gifts here, but all that she's doing for Jesus makes her lose sight of Jesus. And this is the danger every single Christian can fall into. We can become busy serving Jesus, and lose sight of Jesus. We can be busy leading our small groups. We can lead worship on weekends. We can share our faith in the neighborhood. We can be volunteering at the local mission. We can be serving in Harvest Kids. We can be tellering. We could be welcoming people into our church. We could be parking cars in the parking lot. We could be setting up chairs and tearing down chairs. We could be going to elder meeting. We could be praying uh, and, and preaching messages. All busy for Jesus thinking, that if it wasn't for me, these ministries would fall apart. Busy for Jesus while losing sight of Jesus. See, it's true that we need to be people who serve. We're, we're called to serve. There's, and there's, there's lots of opportunities for people to serve in this church. And if you're not serving, we want you to get into serving. We're adding a third service. There's going to be many opportunities for people to serve. It's right for us to serve. It's not wrong what Martha is doing here. Because Romans chapter, Romans chapter 12 says, seek to show hospitality. 1 Peter 4 verse 9 says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Do it and be happy about it. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. We're supposed to, we're called to serve, but in our serving, we can't lose sight of Jesus. If we're going to serve, and if our serving is going to last, then our hands have to be first fueled by a full heart. Our hands have to be fueled first by a full heart. Psalm 34 verse, verse 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 81 verse 10 says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. God, in saying all this to us, God is calling us into his presence to feed us and encourage us. See, God is not like a slave master who wants to just wear you down and work you to the bone. God wants to encourage your heart. He wants to fill your heart before he sends you out serving Serving others. Daryl Bach says this. He says, service of the hand.
cannot supersede service with the ear, since the ear guides the heart and hands. We have to hear, and what we hear from the Lord will guide our hands and guide our hearts because he's going to encourage us as we get into his presence before we get busy working for him. So Martha's serving away, but as she's busy serving, she's starting to get annoyed. She's starting to get annoyed with her sister, and maybe you've experienced this. Maybe you're, you're working on a, on a team, there's a bunch of people on it, and you are working away. You are doing your part. You're thinking, we're a little bit crunched for time, we got to get going here, but there's that one person, and that one person, they're not working. That one person is having a talk with everyone. And just after a while, they just start to annoy you a little bit. And you're just getting a little bit frustrated. You're thinking, I'm doing everything by myself. we got to get this thing done. What's wrong with you? Why do you just keep talking to people and talking to people? Get busy working with me. So Martha is annoyed. She's not happy. And look what she does next. Look at verse 40 again. It says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Martha feels abandoned. She feels like Mary has left her with all the work and she's not happy with her sister. And this echoes, she's upset with her sister, and this echoes the fall. In Genesis chapter 3, When Adam and Eve sinned against God, when our first parents decided that they were going to do their own thing, when they decided they're going to be God instead of, or trying to be God, instead of submitting and trusting God, sin entered into the world. And then from that day forward, siblings have been at each other's throat from that day till now. It started with Cain and Abel, and we still see it now. See, when, when we sinned against God... Not only was there strife between us and God, but there was strife between us and one another. And so when Jesus comes and lives for us, and then dies for us on the cross, and then rises from the grave, and now is in heaven reigning, and one day will come for us. When he does that, and when we put our faith in that, in what he has done, we don't just get peace with God. We... We, we go from being enemies of God and we, we get peace with God. But we also get peace with one another. Not only do, are we reconciled to God, but we're reconciled to one another. That's what you see in Revelation. What you see in that, if you read that book, is that there is, there is people from all nations, languages, tribes, and they are, they're in peace. See, the gospel doesn't just reconcile us and fix our relationship with God, the gospel reconciles and fixes our relationships with one another. And I know it's not perfect now, but there's coming a day where there will be peace, there will be harmony between us, between one another. And that's the power of the gospel. So Martha here is not, she's not happy. In her mind, there's an injustice that has taken place and she wants something to be done about it. Martha's even starting to fall into self-pity. You see it there? She, she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? 
She's like, I'm doing it all by myself. Poor me. Look how hard I have it. Don't you, don't you care? She's giving into self-pity. She's mad at Mary. But if you notice how she speaks, she's mad at Jesus too. She's mad at Mary, but she's also very frustrated with Jesus. There's frustration in her tone. She says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Do something about it. See, Martha here has gone from serving to scolding. She's not serving anymore. She is scolding. And notice a couple things that she says. First, first she accuses Jesus of not caring. She says, Lord, do you not care? She accuses him of being uncaring. She's thinking wrongly about Jesus. But haven't we all been here before? I was in this spot two days ago. Our youngest son, Eiffel. I don't know what's wrong with this baby, but he doesn't want to sleep, ever. (laughs) And so the other night, I'm home with him, and he's just waking up. He's just waking up as we kind of go in and settle him down. And then he wakes up again. But this time when he wakes up, he's throwing up. And I'm thinking, Lord, you gave us these babies. Can't you keep him sleeping? Don't you care? All I want, Lord, is to sleep for six hours straight. That's it. Nothing else. You hold his little heart in your hand. Why won't you just lay him down a bit? Why won't you let him sleep? And I was literally in my bed thinking, you don't care. We've all been in that spot. But think about what Jesus probably was thinking when he heard this. He's probably thinking, Martha, Martha, I've left heaven for you. Martha, one day I will will die on the cross For your sins. Martha, I will be beaten and spat on, crucified for you. I'll be forsaken for you, Martha, so that you will never be forsaken. One day, Martha, I am coming back for you. And when I come back for you, I'm going to make you complete. You are going to be made like me. That The frailty that you're feeling because of the fallenness of the world, I, I will make you complete. That will be gone. Not only will I renew you, I will renew the world. I will make everything right, Martha. I'm redeeming everything. And you can insert your name in that, and I can insert my name in that. The Lord cares for us. Because what Jesus says to Martha, he says to us. And so every time, every time we're tempted to think that he doesn't care, we need to remember the truth of the gospel. Yes, everything's not perfect today for us, but the Lord cares for us. And we know that because he gave up everything for us. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It says, though he was rich, speaking of Jesus, yet for your sake he became poor, that by his poverty you might become rich. Now that doesn't mean your bank account's going to explode. It means rich in salvation. If you are in Christ, you have everything. You are rich in salvation. But if you're here today 
and you haven't trusted in Jesus, you haven't put your faith in Jesus for your salvation, and you're looking at your life and you're thinking, I have everything. I want you to know that's not true. Because if you don't have Jesus, you're lacking the one thing that you need. If you haven't put your faith in him, you are lacking salvation. And though you may think you are rich and you have everything, you are actually poor. But you don't have to stay that way. Because today could be the day for you to put your faith in Jesus and trust him for your salvation and truly have everything to be rich in salvation. And we're encouraging you to do that, to trust him. He will save you. And notice also that she calls Jesus Lord, but then she gives him a command. Does that make any sense? She says, Lord. And then she gives him a command. Verse 40, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. She acknowledges his authority, then she takes over. Kids do this sometimes. Our middle boy, his name is River, and I love him. But the thing about Riv is when he gets excited about eating, he forgets about a fork. And so he's excited, and the, on, the other day on Friday, he is just doing a number on this pancake. He's just, it's just going in fast. He's, and we're like, Riv, buddy, slow down. You, use the fork. But he's just, and as he's doing that, though, his hands are getting sticky. And so he crushes the, the pancake, and then he's like, Dada. So he acknowledges my authority. Then he says, can you wash my hands? So he comes up to me, Dada. And so I'm at the sink doing something. So it takes me a couple seconds to, to get that done. And by the time I put that down and I turn to him, he's like, right now. And I'm like, whoa. Uh, I'm in charge here? He acknowledged my authority, but then he took over. And that's what Martha is doing here. And what she does, people still do today. They call Jesus Lord. But when you look at their life, the way that they're living, Jesus is not Lord. They are. They think they are. It's the Christian who says Jesus is Lord but refuses to serve. Refuses to jump in to use their gift to figure out what spiritual gift do I actually have. They won't even just start somewhere. They call Jesus Lord, but they won't serve. The Christian who calls Jesus Lord, but is dating the unbeliever. The Christian who calls Jesus Lord, but is spending their money on anything they want at the moment. The Christian who calls Jesus Lord, but is gossiping about their boss and gossiping about other people in their life and brooding the Christian who calls Jesus Lord but never seeks any godly counsel for decision making. And so they just go from bad decision to bad decision to bad decision. And then until things are totally a mess. They say Jesus is Lord but their lives don't match their words. They ignore his commands. When you look at their life, they're living it on their own terms. If Jesus is Lord of our life, if Jesus is Lord of your life... You live life on his terms, not yours. You see his commands, and you turn and you pray and you say, Holy Spirit, you are, the, you are the helper that Jesus has sent to me. I see these commands, and I want to obey these commands 
Because I know that they're good and they're right. And I know that if I do the things that Jesus says, that good things are going to come to me. I know that there's going to be good results. And so you pray for the Spirit's help and you submit to Jesus. And you live the way he wants you to live because he is actually Lord of your life. If we say he's Lord, the way we live should match the things that are coming out of our mouths. Martha here, she's reacting this way. She protests. She's doing this because she's not doing what Mary is doing. See, Mary is focused on Jesus, and Martha is distracted. She's not taking in the teachings of Jesus. She's not sitting at his feet. She's busy serving Jesus and losing sight of him. And Jesus explains to her that she's got things in the wrong order. She's got it all mixed up. He reminds her of the right order. And this is point number three, the priority of the devoted. The priority of the devoted. Look at verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Jesus says, Martha, Martha. There's gentleness in his tone. See, Martha is speaking sternly. She's speaking with frustration. But Jesus responds to her with gentleness and tenderness. Jesus here is living out Proverbs 15, verse 1, which says, A soft answer turns away wrath. Think about this. When when people come at us with anger and frustration, so often, what do they get back from us? Anger and frustration. When they speak to us, Harshly, we turn around and we speak to them harshly. But Jesus here models for us that the the way that we are to respond when people come at us in ways that we're not expecting and speaking with frustration, we we are to respond with gentleness, with a soft answer, and let that cool things. And let that start us on the road to peace and working things out. He models that. For us. See, Jesus loves Martha just as much as he loves Mary. And it was his love for her that caused him to expose her sin to her. Philippians 4, verse 6 tells us to be anxious for nothing. It says we are to be anxious for nothing, but here we're told that Martha is anxious and troubled about many things. She's full of anxieties. And, her, and all those things are distracting her from Jesus. And this happens to us too. This happen, we, we, get, we get full of anxieties just the same. We get anxious about the future. We wonder, will I get that job when I finally graduate, when I get out of university, and I've been working so hard at this degree, will there be a job waiting for me? Or am I going to have to sit the degree down and do something I wasn't expecting? Or am I, am I going to struggle because I, I, got a, I got a student loan and so I need to work in order to be able to pay that back? We wonder, will, will that actually work out for me? We get anxious about our kids. This is, uh, this is a, a massive struggle for me. We wonder, are they going to be Okay. I constantly think, are my boys going to be all right? Are they going to turn out to be good men? Are they going to avoid some of the silly mistakes that their father uh, uh, got into? Are they going to be trusting in Jesus? I get anxious about that. 
I wonder, we wonder, are they going to end up in a good school? Are they going to work hard? What kind of people are they going, going to be? We get anxious about money. If an emergency happens, we think, is, is, what's in the, is that going to be enough? Is there even going to be anything coming in? We, we get anxious about those things. We get anxious about our image. We wonder, am I dressed right? Am I trendy enough? Do people think what I'm wearing, is it cool enough? We, we get anxious. Am, am I saying the right things? When I get to church, do I sound theologically accurate? Are the things that are coming out of my mouth sound like I've got it together? We get anxious about what people are thinking about us, our image. We are troubled by these things. And they pull us away from our focus on Jesus. See, when our anxieties go up, we need to get our eyes on the promises of God. When you feel anxious, the reflex should be, I need to find God's promises. If we're worried that we will not get what we need in life, we need to open the Bible and see that God promises to provide. And we've got to pray and trust him. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's shepherding us, walking with us through life. If we're worried about what people are, are thinking about us, we need to open our Bibles and see God's promise to accept us in Christ, that maybe people on earth will reject us, but if you're trusting in Jesus, God will never reject you. He's going to welcome you always. If we're worried about the future, we need to open our Bibles and see God's promise to love us to the very end. We use those promises to overcome the anxiety that we are feeling. When anxieties go up, Bibles need to come open. We need to get to the presence of God, get to his feet and let him encourage us and speak to us exactly where we need it. In Martha's anxiety, she's forgetting the most important person in the room. Look at verse 40, 42. Jesus says, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. He says, one thing is necessary. But notice that he actually never says, he never describes it. He says, one thing is necessary, but he doesn't, he doesn't actually say what it is. It's because there's a picture. It's Mary's example. He just points to it. The one thing that is necessary is to focus on Jesus and not lose focus on him. This is what we need to do every single day. To find time to get to the feet of Jesus and deepen our relationship with him so we can be strengthened as we serve Mary gives us a picture of devotion. She is devoted to Jesus. And we, we struggle with this today, to have devotion to Jesus. Our, our schedules are packed. Our schedule gets in the way. From the moment we wake up to the moment we put our heads down, we've got something to do. There, it's, there's not even a moment for us to stop and get to his feet. Social media gets in the way. 
And social media is not all bad. There's some very good things about social media. It keeps you connected to people you are, maybe you just, you don't get to talk to on a regular basis. It, it, get, it gives you information sometimes very quickly. There's lots of good things about social media, but even those things can distract us from Jesus. Games on our devices, pulling us away from Jesus. That really good novel that you're just enjoying a little bit more than you enjoy the Bible. Pulling you away from Jesus. The fall TV lineup. If you're like me, maybe you're into the designated survivor and you're hoping that Jack Bauer is going to come back at some point as this guy's the president now. And that is, that's pulling you away from focusing on Jesus. But we have to get to the feet of Jesus. He says, one thing, this one thing is necessary. Jesus says, Mary has chosen the good portion. The word portion refers to a meal. While Martha is busy getting the meal together, Mary is having another meal. She's having a better one. Mary is feeding on the living Word. She's feeding on the bread of life. She is drinking from the living fountain. Mary chose to receive spiritual food before she got busy doing anything else. She chose to receive spiritual food, and we should follow her example, before she got busy doing anything else. And now some people, some people think that this Story, the story of Mary and Martha confronts us with a choice. Some people think that it's a choice between two different ways of living. They think that it's a choice between, you know, the choice between the life that's full of serving, just being busy for Jesus, versus just being at the feet and Bible open, reading and praying and, and just meditating and reflecting. They think that it's a, it's a choice between that, but it's not. We don't have to choose one or the other. It's just one before the other. It's one before the other. Think about it. Every Martha, those of us who are more inclined to jump in and serve and serve and serve, every Martha needs to be in the word of God and prayer. Everyone, every Martha needs to hear from the Lord. And every Mary needs to serve. It's not one or the other. It's both, but one comes before the other. If we're going to serve the Lord well and survive in doing that, we need spiritual food, the spiritual food that only Jesus can provide to strengthen us. The story, this story reminds us of the importance of getting before the word of the Lord to focus on Jesus every single day. Day because when we focus on Jesus, when our eyes are on Him, we get the heart of Jesus. We start to think like Jesus. And that heart, we bring that into our serving. And so we have to get our eyes on Him. We have to serve in the strength that Jesus supplies. It's not one or the other, it's both. It's just one before. The other. This is one way. This is one way that we can focus and fix our eyes on Jesus. 
But another way we keep our eyes on Jesus is through communion. In communion, we're reminded of the bread of life that was given for us. These symbols remind us of the one who came from heaven to save us. And so as we go now to take communion, let's reflect on Jesus. But let's also reflect on ourselves. The Bible calls us to examine ourselves before we take communion, to think and to look back on the week or over the month to see, is there anything that I need to confess to the Lord before taking? And we're going to do that in in a moment. And also, if you're here today and you haven't trusted in Jesus for your salvation, then like I said earlier, today is the day to put your faith in him to believe in him. And if you do that, come talk to us. We would love to talk to you. There'll be people here at the front who want to talk to you and we'll pray with you. But if you are not trusting in Jesus, if you know that Jesus is not your Lord, he's not your savior, you haven't put your faith in him, then we would ask you just to let the trays as they come just to pass. And as you let them pass, no one is going to judge you. It's just that communion is for people who are believers in Christ. And so as our ushers come now, let's take some time to do that reflecting. This has been an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Brampton, Ontario. For more information about our church or to contact us, please visit harvestbrampton.ca.